Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, again, Merry Christmas. Uh, so excited tonight to get to gather uh, together, to worship together, uh, to give thanks for what God has done for us in the giving of His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, if you uh, are in the room and your kids are with you tonight, I just want to, as we begin, just let you know we love noise, okay? Uh, and especially on a festive occasion like tonight, we love noise. Noise. So do not feel conspicuous. Kids, we're so glad that you're in here. You get to worship with us and celebrate the birth of Jesus. You guys did an amazing job uh, helping lead us in worship and singing so beautifully. I love all the costumes. In fact, I love uh, the scene up here, the nativity scene. It's one of my favorite things about Christmas is the nativity scene. In fact, our house, uh, if you were to come to our house, it is full of nativities. I don't know how, we've lost count of how many nativities we have, and we just scatter them all around the house because it helps tell us the story of Jesus. Every time we see one of these nativities, we remember what God has done for us in Jesus. And I wonder, when you think about the nativity, uh, who's your favorite character? If you had to pick a favorite character, maybe you have that character's costume on right now, right? Or maybe uh, your favorite character is uh, somebody else in the nativity. Who, who's your favorite character? Kids, just Shout out, who's your favorite in the nativity? Jesus, I knew there was going to be some kids. Yes, good job. Jesus, wise men, shepherds. Great, I, I hear it all, I hear it all. And I, here's the thing, here's the thing. I love all of those characters too, but you know what? There's another character in the nativity that we didn't have up here tonight. In fact, there's a, a character that's always been a part of the nativity, but it's kind of an invisible uh, character, a character that's lurking behind the scenes that maybe uh, we didn't know was there, or maybe we just don't like to think about. And we actually read about this character just a few moments ago uh, when Mr. Anthony read from Revelation chapter 12. And this is a picture of that character. Kids, can you tell me what this red thing is? What does that look like? It's a dragon. Did you know in your nativity, unseen, there's a red dragon? There's a red dragon in the nativity. Now, that sounds strange to us. In fact, reading from Revelation 12 is something that we don't often do, but it is another telling of the birth of Jesus. Alongside what we read from Matthew and Mark, we get this amazing picture of a dragon waiting, it says, to devour the baby Jesus. And so this picture of a dragon, uh, why is he there? Who is he? What does this tell us about Christmas? And maybe how does it help us see Christmas in a little bit different way than we're used to? That's what I want us to talk about tonight. This dragon isn't like the mythical dragons from fairy tales, right? He's real. But who is he? And to answer that question, we have to actually kind of zoom out 
from the nativity scene as we know it. We have to zoom out because here's the thing. The story of Christmas, the story of Christmas doesn't begin in Bethlehem. The story of Christmas actually begins way, way before that in the very beginning of all things, the beginning of the beginning. If you were to go back and look in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, that's where the Christmas story ultimately begins. It actually begins in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve failed to trust God. That's what happened in Genesis 3. It's what we call the fall. They chose to believe not in God, but who did they believe? Do you remember? The snake, the serpent, which is also called the dragon. Okay? So this dragon was there in the beginning. And they chose to believe this serpent. And the Bible calls this serpent, this dragon, by a lot of different names. He call, he's called, sometimes he's called Satan. Sometimes he's called the devil. Sometimes he's called the liar or the accuser. But what happened in the story of humanity is that we rejected, human beings rejected God, and in that brought into creation sin and death and evil. When Adam and Eve chose to sin, it was the dragon, the serpent, that tempted them. And ever since that day, in the beginning of time, this dragon, this serpent, this Satan has been tempting human beings not to worship God, but to worship him and to worship other things. And he's, he's evil at his core. He rejoices in our suffering and our pain and violence and abuse and injustice. This dragon, he was there. He was there in the beginning in Eden. And he was there on that first Christmas night. He was there at the birth of Jesus. And he's here still. And so it's important that we see this missing member of the nativity. So we can understand and see the whole story. But here's the amazing thing. If you go back to the beginning, the very beginning of the story of the Bible, in Genesis 3, God made a promise. God made a promise that he has kept at Christmas. Listen to what Genesis 3, 15 says. He says, I will put enmity between you, he's talking to the dragon, to the serpent, between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. She shall bruise, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, in this promise, God promised to do something about this dragon one day. One day, God promised that he would actually send someone to crush this serpent, to defeat this dragon, that he would be a rescuer, a savior. And so he sent forth a savior from his chosen people, Israel, who would set things right and who would rule over the nations, it says in Revelation 12, with an iron scepter. That means his authority and his power would be absolute and good. And so the apostle John, in the book of Revelation, he describes the birth of Jesus, and he reminds us of this bigger story, this bigger story that we are celebrating tonight, that God sent his son to destroy evil and sin and death. And so tonight, I want to just look at those two promises. First, the promise that God sent his son to save us from our sin, and the second promise that God made at Christmas is that he will defeat evil once and for all. 
So the two promises, God will save us from our sin and he will defeat evil once and for all. So the first promise is this, that Christmas itself reminds us that God sent his son to save us from our sin. Look at Revelation 12.1, what it says. It says, a great sign, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and over her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and in the agony of giving birth. You know, we don't like to think about the pain uh, and the agony, that reality during the Christmas story, do we? But here we get this really poignant picture of the pain and the agony, specifically of childbirth. It's just one of the reminders of the pain that we experience in this life and our need for a Savior. The truth is that all of us are broken, all of us have sinned. All of us have chosen our own way. Romans 3.23 says that, in fact. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's of God's beauty and of his goodness and all the good that he wants for us, his creation. Isaiah 53.6 says, he, uh, he tells us that all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all wandered away from God. We cannot save ourselves. We are doomed we are trapped. There's no way out. We're trapped in the deep darkness of our own sin. But God promises a Messiah. God promises a Savior, a rescuer who will come from the line of David, from the people of Israel. And in the Old Testament, God's promise comes up over and over and over again in his word that he will do this, that he will rescue us and save us. And here's what Christmas reminds us. It reminds us that God always, always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Did you know that uh, Jesus' very name, his very name means Yahweh is salvation or that God saves. So in the name of Jesus, we're reminded that God came. He himself took on flesh, that he took on our weakness and our sin and he did what we couldn't do. He rescued us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. Jesus came to defeat this dragon. And so the birth of Jesus, this baby, this long-awaited promise of God, has come to pass at Christmas. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate tonight the promise of the gospel. That if we put our trust in this Jesus, he will rescue us. Not because we deserve it. Not because we can earn it, but by his grace. He saves us because he loves us. He saves us because his name is Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. And so the first thing that Christmas reminds us here is that God sent Jesus to save us from our sin. The second thing that Christmas reminds us of is that God will defeat evil once and for all. God will defeat evil once and for all. Look at what it says in Revelation 12, 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his head were seven diadems, seven crowns. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. What an image. 
this dragon, this, this devil, this great serpent. The picture we get is that it's powerful. It's not just some made-up, make-believe creature. This is a uh, many-crowned, all-powerful, worldly being. And the dragon in this story represents all that is standing in opposition to God. Did you know that Satan never intends anything for good? He never intends anything for good. He is a liar. He's a murderer. He delights to bring misery into the world. And so that's the picture we get, this red, fiery dragon in Revelation 12, drawing on the book of Daniel, drawing on these images with these crowns and these false claims of God's power and authority assumed by himself. He sets himself up in opposition to God. He hates God. Satan hates God. And he hates God's plans and he hates God's promises and he hates each of us because it's who he is and what he does. And so when Jesus is born into history, into the moment of creation that Jesus comes, Satan is there. It says he's waiting. He's waiting as 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 the birth of Jesus comes, he wants to do what? Devour, it says the child. Satan hates God, and he knows the birth of Jesus is a heavenly invasion. It's a moment of extreme conflict. We may be tempted to sentimentalize Christmas, but it is God's kingdom coming against the kingdom of darkness and evil. Talking about evil may seem out of place at Christmas. It may seem out of place even in our modern world. We tend not to talk about things like evil. But a pervasive evil exists in our world. It creates, uh, it seeks to destroy everything that God has made. An evil that fuels our jealousy and our greed and our addictions, an evil that breaks apart our families, an evil that ruins marriages. It's an evil that seeks to devour our children, that feeds you and me lie after lie after lie about God and about ourselves. It tells us that we're unseen, that we're unwanted, that we're unlovable, that we're unforgivable. Satan is the father of lies. But the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was the beginning of the end for the father of lies. At the birth of Jesus begins the death of Satan and the death of evil and the death of death itself. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Satan tries to kill Jesus He dogs him all the way to the cross. And so Jesus takes up the cross and what Satan meant for evil, to wipe out our Savior, God used for good. The cross wasn't the death of Jesus, it was the death of death. Jesus was born to bear our sin on the cross, to rise from the dead. It was the beginning of the end for the dragon and for evil. There is real evil in the world, but hope is not lost. 
In in verse 6 of Revelation 12, it says that the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she would be nourished for day after day after day. We get this picture of, of the woman who stands for God's people being cared for by God himself, nourished and protected. In the wilderness, there's hardship, there's suffering, there's difficulty, but God is with her. And the same is true for us. In this life, there is evil, there is hardship, there's suffering, but God, in his mercy, sent Jesus so that evil would not have the last word. God is with us to the end. He is caring for us and he will fight for us and he will come for us. Later in the book of Revelation, which is often called the apocalypse, meaning the the last things, the last days, Satan meets his ultimate end. He is cast off forever, and the world is set free from evil. It's a promise that one day Jesus will return and make all things new. There will be no more suffering, no more pain, No more guilt, no more shame. We will know life with God, lasting joy and wholeness, life to the full. The story of Christmas is the good news of great joy. It's not just that a cute baby came and was surrounded by happy shepherds and singing angels. It's that, praise God, but it's more than that. It's an invasion, a rescue mission, God's war on evil a war that God will win. On Christmas, we have cause to celebrate. I love how Eugene Peterson describes this moment and our response to it. He says, our response to the nativity is to enter into this wintry, broken, sinful world with the high praise of God in our throats and the double-edged sword of God's promise in our hands. As the song says, In Christ, God saved us from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Because in Jesus, we have salvation and victory. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. As we end, um, as I close, I want to read to you a poem I came across this past week. It was written a few years ago, and it's, uh, I love the title. It's called, There's a Dragon in My Nativity. Maybe you've heard it before, but if not, I encourage you to to go and look it up online. I just want to read some stanzas from it, but this is how it goes. It says, there's a dragon in my nativity, dreadful and immense. The shepherds quake, the wise men shake, and spill their frankincense. There's a dragon by the stable. I don't know why he's there. He hasn't brought a present, and he only seems to glare. He hovers over David's town that still beneath him lies, yet no one's sleep is dreamless underneath his piercing eyes. This dragon isn't visible with ordinary sight. You cannot snap a selfie or televise his flight. Unseen, he stands for every power that stands against the earth. The death disease, and darkness that overshadows every birth. But dragons always meet their match. They always meet their doom. 
a hero rises to the fight to cast them into gloom. And so at this nativity arose another player, the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. He was a dragon slayer. He'd come to fight through Herod's plot, through dangers big and small. He took on evil, sickness, death, and triumphed over all. A dragon or a baby? Just who would win the fight? It wasn't really fair, you see. The child was a knight. From high above and long before, he knew what must be done. He knew the dragon waiting here, and still he chose to come. There's a dragon in my nativity, a fierce and monstrous danger, but fiercer still the bravery and love within the manger. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you sent your son, Jesus, to save us and to defeat evil. Lord, that this great red dragon is not to be feared. His power is waning, and one day he will be destroyed. Because you, Jesus, came. You were born in flesh. You walked among us. You took up the cross, and you rose from the dead. And if we put our trust in you, we will be freed from sin and death. And we will have life with you forever. We give thanks for that great promise. For your promise, Lord, this Christmas. We pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.